0: Hey everyone, anybody who listens to the show knows that Sam and I may not be scratch golfers, but we love to have a great time playing golf. And that's why we have partnered with Birdie Golf in Woodbury. Birdie Golf is hands down the best indoor golf experience you will ever have. There are eight of the world's best golf simulators where you can sharpen your swing and luckily for us, never lose a ball. But it's not just for hardcore golfers. Birdie Golf is for everyone. Bring the family, play arcade-style games while dining on great food in an upscale and comfortable environment. They have private bays for social distancing, a luxury lounge for private events, outdoor patio and scratch kitchen. You'll want to try the whiskey or beer float flights and the best boneless wings in the Metro. Make golf a night out or the place to hold parties, events, fundraisers, even your fantasy football draft. Check out Birdie Golf at 494 in Valley Creek in Woodbury. Just a short drive from anywhere in the Twin Cities Metro and at birdiegolf.com, or you could call 651-998-2200 today. I'll see you there. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider presented by Scout Logistics and Symbol, your stock market for sports. All right, we welcome into the show Alex Clancy. He is a host and producer at Fox Sports 910 in Phoenix, also hosts the Locked On AZ Cardinals or AZ Cards, not Cardinals because I searched that at first and the St. Louis Cardinals came up. So Locked On AZ Cards podcast. What is up, Alex? What's going on? Yeah, the pecking order for Cardinals is definitely St. Louis Cardinals first, Arizona Cardinals second. Yes, the one place in all of America that actually liked baseball more than football and uh, a strange and bizarre place in St. Louis. Uh, But I wanted to bring you on to talk about a multitude of things, including Patrick Peterson leaving Arizona for Minnesota. But let me start with one thing first. You can help me out. I get the question every single day. Is Larry Fitzgerald coming home to Minnesota? Just tell me if Larry Fitzgerald is coming home to Minnesota, because that is in my mentions 24-7. I would be very surprised if he went to Minnesota to finish his career. He's said
1: forever that it's Arizona or retirement. I mean, there's there's going to be several myriad uh, TV deal offers for him to come and be an analyst, You know, whether it be CBS, ABC, it, it doesn't matter. He's set for it. I don't know if he's going to be a studio guy. I would I would look at him more as a studio guy than a, than, an, than an analyst and a color analyst, but he can do whatever the hell he wants. He's Larry freaking Fitzgerald. You know, and it's uh, – the, the storyline about Fitz around here is this is maybe the best collection of talent on a roster that he's seen since he's been in Arizona, so why would he want to retire now? It just comes down to money. And I think Larry Fitzgerald could be a 50-catch, 600-yard reception with with five touchdowns next year without breaking a sweat if they utilize him correctly. But I don't know. He, I don't think he's going to Minnesota, no.
0: Yeah, I know. I feel the same way that, I mean, the Vikings have this wide receiver three opening and it seems like the last few years Fitzgerald has maybe signed one year deals. And this always comes up because he's from here. And did you know he was a ball boy when Chris Carter was here and all those things? Um, so he is, you know, Minnesota famous, but it never made a whole lot of sense when he's really made his life and career in Arizona. Um, the signing of aj green though and you're like does that conflict or is there no limit on old receivers that you can have in one lineup
1: trying to get every single one over 30. uh <laughs> no uh, aj green that's another interesting uh uh case because he was very underutilized last year i don't know if him and joe burrow just didn't hit it off uh but it's he's still aj green i mean he still runs great routes uh he's still I uh, got great hands. He doesn't care about going across the middle, being outside. He runs every route in the route tree. And he's a great red zone threat at, at big at six, three or six, four. No, I think it would entice Larry Fitzgerald to come back more. I don't know. So Larry Fitzgerald's career was it, he was on a bad team, but at least he was getting all the targets. And I feel like as a wide receiver, even if you're quiet, you can still be somewhat ego maniacal and Larry Fitzgerald was the best player on a bad team for 15 years. You know, that's what he was, and but he was getting all the targets, he was getting the yards, and I know that he's a team player, and it wasn't all about that, but it was nice to have, and this, uh, if he wants to come back and be the wide receiver four, so be it, but I don't even, th- if everything goes to plan, A.J. Green will be the wide receiver three, we just don't know if Steve Kime has it in his bag to pull off, uh, you know, whether in the draft or in free agency to bring in another wide receiver.
0: So how good is this roster? I mean, when you talk about it being the most talented that they've had since he's been there, I'm thinking of the Carson Palmer version that was very, very good. Uh, I, I'm thinking of the Kurt Warner team that goes to the Super Bowl and Larry Fitzgerald has his you know big Super Bowl moment there. Is it more talented than those teams? I mean, I, I was putting Arizona in the list of teams that the Vikings would be competing for for playoff spots, but it sounds like there's more excitement there than that.
1: Well, the... Um... Yeah. There's so many question marks. Like I'm trying to figure out a way that where I answer it the same, the same way every time is this could be a top four seed, or this could be a team that misses the playoffs. I mean, Cliff Kingsbury is a huge liability. DeAndre Hopkins had 1400 plus receiving yards and over hundred catches last year. And he was underutilized. So the roster on paper looks fantastic, but you always go back and, you know, being in the NFC, the, the, the Eagles' uh, dream team with Nandi Asamoah Vince Young, and it was going to be the next great team, and they completely sputtered. I always go back to that. J.J. Watt, we have no idea. Splash signing, great leadership. He's going to be great for the trajectory of the team moving forward, at least over the next couple seasons because of his notoriety and what he's done in Houston, whether it be philanthropically or on the field for, for the culture. But A.J. Green's old. J.J. Watt's old. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is still the best receiver in the league, pound for pound, in my opinion. And Kyler Murray will see where his ceiling is. It may, there may be no ceiling, but it's all going to come back to Cliff Kingsbury's ability to put together not just a highlight reel, but an actual offensive scheme, second one to the last second of a game, or this team's not going to go anywhere until he's gone. So how good the roster is is Pretty much solely predicated upon Cliff Kingsbury's ability to put together an offensive game plan and have these defensive pieces come together, which I think they will. It's more the former. That's the worry.
0: So I'm glad that you said that because my feeling on Cliff Kingsbury was there's a lot of questions whether the guy can really coach or not. And this only comes from watching a couple of games a year. I mean, you know, you know, buried in covering one team, but I try to get a sense for everything that's going on, but I felt like it was odd that Deandre Hopkins was sort of just an outside wide receiver. It didn't seem like they were moving him around and the level of creativity that's expected for college coaches coming to the NFL rarely meets what they actually end up doing. And I I felt the same way about Matt rule where it was like, Oh yeah, these college geniuses, they're just going to come change the game. And then you go like, oh the NFL has already been doing a lot of that stuff so did did he do you think he held back Kyler Murray last year or was it just the injury at the end of the season or what's the what's the take there
1: I I like how you asked that so I can say my favorite line since Cliff Kingsbury is coming to the league uh and now Jared Goff is obviously with Detroit but this is how I used to say it Jared Goff would win because of Sean McVay and Kyler Murray will win in spite of Cliff Kingsbury (laughs) and the thing is though it's it's setting the stage potentially and so to answer your question simply. Yes, I think he's holding back this entire offense. Um, Unfortunately, he would be a great quarterbacks coach. He would be potentially a fringe great offensive coordinator. But when your head coach can't go into the defensive side, go into the defensive locker room and say, hey guys, this is what we need to change, you're lost. He's a quarterbacks coach slash OC that's a head coach of an organization and he's bit off more than he can chew. It's not his fault. Steve Kime shouldn't have hired him to begin with. But we've seen flashes where it's like, Oh man, if he can put those seven plays that were incredible in that game and kind of multiply them and actually have the scripted plays to start the game work, which they never seem to do. Um, we could we, you could kind of be cooking here. What could be down the pike though is you're looking at Eric Bieniemy and Brian Dable looking for head coaching jobs next season. So if it doesn't work this year, you could be in line for two of the best offensive minds the NFL seen in the last 20 years. So it's it's a It's a win-win situation. Either Cliff comes into his own in his third year or he excrements the bed and you have these other great minds that should have got head coaching jobs this offseason but didn't.
0: Yeah, Alex, I think that's a really great way to evaluate an offensive coach is how they perform in the scripted plays and when Kevin Stefanski was the Vikings coach it seemed like they scored on the first drive of every week right and then I think you've seen that transfer over to Cleveland because you that's your game plan for the entire week where you're laying it out and how well it works I think is a a good way to judge it Um, now with Kyler Murray though you mentioned the ceiling what he can get to of course really impressed with how he you know runs with the football and what the way he throws it downfield but it seems like everything else is on shaky ground every time we watch him and if he throws it down the field i'm excited and if he runs i'm excited and everything else i'm like uh what's going on there
1: yeah no i mean it's it's a valid it's a valid testament to what where kyler is at i mean there's one thing that needs to be removed from people's worry worry uh room is him throwing off his back foot and throwing falling away everybody does that like it like that's If you show me Patrick Mahomes, what he does on a day-to-day basis, throwing the ball on a Sunday, you'd have like high school coaches cringing until you see that he has some of the best receivers in the game just going up, either jump balls or Tyreek Hill being faster than everybody on the planet. Kyler Murray's ability to throw the ball fading away is just something he's always done because he's been small. Um, Everything else, the the interim passing game isn't the greatest. The dump-down passing, and you can – you can, as of right now, scapegoat Cliff Kingsbury and his ill-timed wide receiver screens, his ill-timed, you know, wheel routes from the from the running backs. It's Right now, it's Cliff Kingsbury's fault. Next year, this is the true test to where Kyler Murray's at. I would compare him. I've compared him to Lamar Jackson and the elusivity por- portion of it because I think Kyler is the most elusive quarterback in the game. And he doesn't get touched, whether he runs out of bounds, slides, Lamar Jackson gets hit a lot more than Kyler Murray does. And that's just a truthful statement, but Kyler Murray doesn't have the ability to throw those interim passes, just like Lamar Jackson can't at this point. And we just, I I don't know. It's a work in progress and uh, nobody, you can't be Patrick Holmes. It's unfair Deshaun Watson. It's unfair to compare young quarterbacks to that. It's like comparing young corners to Jalen Ramsey right away or Marshawn Latimer's rookie. You're not, everybody can do that. And it's not his size that's going to hold him back. It's scheme and its ability to really get to that next level and just get the reps in in the offseason.
0: You know, it kind of reminds me a little bit of Baker Mayfield with Freddie Kitchens, where you could still see it, that the skill was there. He really needed the coach to just take advantage of it. I also love talking with writers versus people in sports radio, because you could tell the phone calls they've been getting and and the throw off the back foot sounds like a text line or phone call type of thing that you're getting all the time. Um, So let's talk about Patrick Peterson. That was the reason that I invited you on, but I'm so interested in the Cardinals and and just, you know, how that's going to go this year especially in the division and the vikings are going to play the cardinals so larry fitzgerald can return to arizona i'm just kidding uh but patrick peterson just tell me this washed or not
1: can i give incomplete as an answer you can Um, you can i don't think he is no there's a couple things to patrick peterson's credit he hasn't had a cb2 ever He hasn't like in 2018, they started Brandon Williams, who was a running back in college that they transferred over to cornerback. And he was the week one starter from the cornerback two position alongside Patrick Peterson. So Patrick Peterson was all pro early, great punt returner early on. He had a punt return for, to walk off a win. I think I can't remember who was against in his rookie season. He ran a handful back. He was pro bowler, pro bowler, pro bowler. Um, if he would have been in like the Ravens scheme or the Steelers scheme, where you have really good linebackers and corners, uh, he, he may have stayed with the Cardinals. Like, but, but the thing is his talent was somewhat wasted because he didn't have that since, since Antonio Cromartie, maybe in 2012. um, I think that with, with Mike Zimmer's defensive scheme with the defensive scheme you guys have over there, I don't know if he's going to flourish to Pro Bowl level, But you may see the ten million dollars as kind of a steal. I don't know what's going to happen next year when when the contract uh, when the salary cap balloons up, but I don't think he's washed at this point. No.
0: So what I want to see is exactly how Zimmer is going to use him, because I know that a lot of people have been citing certain statistics about how Zimmer plays more zone coverage, and that might fit Patrick Peterson. But when they had a shutdown corner in Xavier Rhodes, they did not play all that zone coverage. They had him lock on to somebody and follow them all over the field. It seems like that would be a bad idea, though, for Patrick Peterson in his present state.
1: Where you are now with him, yes. I mean, do they play man the majority of the time um with the Cardinals last year he's not a tackler he's a push out of balancer um and he's not somebody that so last year there was the big the big uh shining moment for him was when DK Metcalf was held to two catches in like 20 yards Sunday night football when Tyler Lockett had, had I think 13 catches for over 200 yards I attest that more to why would you go away from what's working and what Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett had, had that night was magical. So why would you go away from it? Um, Terry McLaurin ate him up, ate his lunch. And if you're going to be playing against young young uh, wide receivers in this league, Patrick Peterson's not your guy. Zone may be a little bit better for him in that in that specific sense. He's not going to be a lockdown corner. And I know that Harrison Smith is one of the best in the game. Kyler uh, he goes from Kyler to he goes from Buda Baker to to Harrison Smith. So that's a beautiful thing for Patrick Peterson, but. Tell you what, he's not going to be a flash of what you saw five years ago from from Patrick Peters. He's just not. He's capable, but and, and he said that he would move to safety now, which is interesting. Um, I don't know if that would fit the fit the scheme for you guys at some point if he decides to stay past this year. But temper your expectations and be pleasantly surprised if he if he exceeds them.
0: Hey, everybody, want to tell you about our friends at SimBull. SimBull is a new sports marketplace where you can trade shares of professional teams like stocks. So as we jump fully into free agency season, you're going to want to get in on teams now before your team's stock rises. Go to SimBull.app. That is S-I-M-B-U-L-L S-I-M-B-U-L-L.app. Sign up using the promo code purple and get a $10 deposit bonus. If you're a first time user and then you are off and rolling. Here's how it works. You buy stocks of your teams. And when your team wins, you earn cash payouts that are instantly deposited. If you sign up for symbol, you also get updates emailed to you directly with the trends on which teams are on the rise. So check out symbol.app or follow them on Twitter at symbol exchange and check out the marketplace for sports today. Yeah. We asked him about the safety thing and he said that he was going to be a corner here. Now, whether down the road, he ends up doing the Rod Woodson or Charles Woodson thing and moves back to safety. I don't know, but that Mike Zimmer in the past has had somewhat of this issue of kind of not recognizing player age, you know how some people will say, I don't see race. Well, Mike Zimmer doesn't see age Mm -hmm. and he played Chad Greenway in situations that he probably couldn't still handle at his age. He played Xavier Rhodes when he was beat up in those types of situations. And then Rhodes goes to a more zone defense and starts to flourish. So that would be my concern is that if he looks at Patrick Peterson and he looks at the name and he does not look at the present skill set and says, yes, there is my lockdown corner. We're going to Island him on one side of the field. I don't know how this is going to work out. And I also think you make a great point about multiple corners that Patrick Peterson might be fine. He might even be good, but they also have a lot to kind of still rely on. And I think that your experience with him in Arizona says that if you still have these weak links, it's not going to make that much of a difference to have one great player.
1: Right. And then to compound that, the audacity of quarterbacks now to throw at lockdown corners when they never did in the past. It's like, that's one thing that I never understood is, Oh, Richard Sherman is the best corner in the game for the time, or Josh Norman, when he was in Carolina, it's like, they're not going to, he takes away half the field. Why make him earn his money? Like, I don't like they went after Jalen Ramsey um, once in one game last year at home. DeAndre Hopkins forced two pass interference calls and they scored a touchdown on that play after chunking 35 yards of of interference calls. That's bad for Patrick Peterson, because if quarterbacks now have the audacity to actually go after the opposing team's number one corner. There's so much based on reputation and Patrick Peterson is still in some capacity living off his reputation from the mid 2010s. So we'll see. I mean, he may be ready more than he has been the last few years to prove that he's worth the money, and he wants one more deal. It's going to be 30, what, 32 when next season starts, the 2022 season starts. He, If he wants to play to 35, he's going to have to have a team that wants him, and he's going to want to get paid. So this year, you're going to get the best that Patrick Peterson has to offer. You are the yeah, one yeah. team that will. We don't know if we've gotten it in Arizona after the 2018 get me out of here. I mean, you got to give him, I give everybody a free pass for the 2018 season. That was nobody's fault. It wasn't Steve Wilkes' fault. It wasn't Al Holcomb's fault, the the uh, defensive coordinator over from Carolina. It was Steve Kime's fault. But Patrick Peterson wanting out, you kind of got to uh, give him a free pass. But cheating, the PEDs, that was his fault in 2019.
0: Well, that's what I was going to ask you about is that it seems like Patrick Peterson has been on the trade block for a while. And there was conversations even here, I think maybe in 2018, should they trade for Patrick Peterson? Would that be something the Vikings should do? And uh, yeah, they played in Minnesota in 2018. And I remember what a freaking disaster that team was. I mean, it was a crazy bad offense and Josh Rosen was a mess and it was it was one of the worst football games that I've covered in the last three years Um, but uh, about his personality though I mean at least from just talking to him one time he seems like a guy who would express his opinions but I wonder what you think of the PED part of it of the fact that it seemed like he wanted out for a couple of years like is that just a relationship kind of gone sour or what are we to make of him
1: so the Cardinals made him the highest-paid corner in NFL history several years ago. Uh, I think he got paid I don't a million dollars more in the contract than Richard Sherman did just to to stick it to Richard Sherman, who got it I think earlier that week. Um, Patrick Peterson, he's got an ego. He's a corner. He's always been in the shadow of Larry Fitzgerald, always. He's never been treated financially like Larry Fitzgerald Fitzgerald been treated, even though he may maybe maybe should have over the last couple of years. Larry Fitzgerald's getting one year, $11 million, 2017, 2018, 2019. And um, Patrick Peterson. like, this is my theory, is that he wasn't even the bell of the ball on a bad team. And if you're still playing at a high level, and he was in 2017 and 2016 before that bad year, like him saying he wants out, once a player says that, that's it. That's it. It may be seeing you know your significant other texting with somebody else, but not actually cheating. Once that Pandora's box is opened, it doesn't matter what happens after. That's it. So that 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 was the start. The cheating part, like I'm I'm surprised they didn't try to trade him in 2019. Get a third-round pick and get out of here. Like he he's never gonna be the Larry Fitzgerald of the Arizona Cardinals, whether that's fair or unfair. And I think that stuck with them. Now him as a person. Philanthropically family, man, great teammate by all accounts, except for, you know, the actual trade out. Um, He's, I I have nothing bad to say about him as a human being at all. It's just, it wasn't a great look for him. You know, the last 18 months uh, of his tenure here with the Cardinals.
0: Trust me, I have been there. There is a uh, truth to all rumors that I have been there with Stefan Diggs and others who have recently wanted out of Minnesota. And uh, you spoke to one of the fundamental truths of the purple insider podcast, which is once you're talking about breaking up, you might as well just break up just do because it. there's no, there's no unringing that bell with a player, with a coach at any of those things. Uh, last thing I want to ask you about, Alex, is just the, um, the NFC West it looks like it's going to be a hellacious division to fight with because Russell Wilson, isn't getting traded to the bears. So uh, everyone here is, pleased that Russell Wilson is not getting traded to the bears, but he's still in your division. Jimmy Garoppolo presumably comes back healthy, maybe even San Francisco drafts quarterback. And then Los Angeles makes the biggest splash so far. Still, I think of the off season in their trade for Matt Stafford. So how do the Cardinals navigate that? And really, I mean, the Vikings are going to deal with the same problem playing that division.
1: Yeah. I mean, the cornerback position is, it's really unfortunate that they haven't addressed it because the, uh, the wide receiver slash quarterback duos that the corner that the Cardinals have to face this year, not even in division, where it's Stafford and then all the toys you want with Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, et cetera, and then Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, Russell Wilson, and you've got George Kittle, et cetera. They're playing Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, your boys with Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, who will tear this secondary up if they don't want. You know, if the game plan that game is not to run the ball forty-eight times and throw the ball twelve. Which I'm sure you know you're too too fond of there four times a game four times a year where Kirk Cousins throws the ball less than twenty times In the, regarding the NFC West top to bottom. If I were to be told that any team were to finish first or last this year, I wouldn't be surprised because when you look at San Francisco, there's a lot of question marks. They can you can sugarcoat a turd, but their quarterback's not great. They have fine receivers for this for the scheme, but. You need to change the scheme if you end up going down points, and they did last year. And 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 look what happened: the defense is back, but you're now injury prone across that whole front, including Nick Bosa. Uh, the Rams, we don't know if Matt Stafford can do anything under the lights. He's never played an important game in his career except for one playoff game that he lost, or whatever two playoff games, whatever it is. And then Seattle, you could trade Russell Wilson in week three if you start one and two like that. Cat is now out of the bag. It's a conversation that will constantly be had this year if things don't go well. And the Cardinals could put together a first and second round pick with an offensive lineman in a corner and have one of the best defenses in the league and have Kyler Murray and A.J. Green resurrect his career. Then DeAndre Hopkins have 12 touchdowns and 1,700 yards receiving, and they could win the division. Like, I, this is not a cop-out. I have no idea what's going to happen in the NFC West. If I had to guess right now, the odds on favorite, I think, are the Rams. But who the hell knows? I mean seriously and I, it's it's just like the NFC North it's like I look at that roster with the Vikings and I'm like they could win the division and I'm sure you look yourself in the mirror this is this is the year where they're not going to start 2 and 6 this is the year where you see Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson and Adam Thieme like hey let's maximize this and you know it just it goes by the wayside but yeah it's it's going to be it's going to be weird in the NFC West and I would not be surprised to see any finale after week 17 or week 18 this year
0: Folks, the football offseason is off and rolling, and Soda Stick has you covered with Minnesota sports-themed gear. Some of my favorite football designs that you have to check out include the Chuck Foreman Spin Doctor gear. You can commemorate Randy Moss's disgusting act on a shirt or a hoodie. And if you're old school, check out the Purple People Eaters design as well. Go to SodaStick.com and check them all out. If you use the promo code PURPLEINSIDER, you can get free shipping on all your Minnesota sports-inspired gear all of their apparel is screen printed here in minnesota on super soft super comfy shirts and hoodies you will love it plus keep your eyes and ears out for our giveaways going on on this show as well on social media follow them at SodaStickCo co on twitter and at sodastick.com for your original minnesota sports inspired goods code purple insider for free shipping Hey everyone, I wanna tell you about our friends It's Scout Logistics. And I really do mean it when I say friends. They are fans of Purple Insider over at Scout Logistics. And since they reached out wanting to support this show, I wanna tell you about what they do. Scout Logistics is just-in-time transportation for full tractor trailer loads. And if you're wondering what that means exactly, Well, if you own or work for a company that needs shipping solutions, they are the preferred carrier of Fortune 500 companies across North America, and we have quite a few of those in Minnesota, right? They can ship perishable, non-perishable, FTL or LTL, and they have on-time delivery rate of over 99%. So if you're like them and you enjoy the show and you have shipping needs, check out ScoutLogistics.com or call 855 217-2688 extension 232 to connect with them directly to find out how scout logistics can minimize risk and overperform and go the extra mile for your company. Well, uh, as it pertains to the Vikings, you are talking to a person who's waiting on a left tackle or left guard to exist mm-hmm. on their team. So I'm not sure they're going to do anything to change the way they play offense. And I guarantee you're right that there will be four games where Cousins throws less than uh, 20 passes, even if they lose, even if they're down in the game. I mean, that's the funny thing. When you go seven and nine and your quarterback still ranks like 29th in pass attempts, <laughs> what, <laughs> how does that happen? Yeah. Um, but that's, you know, Mike Zimmer and how he wants to play football. But to your point, I totally agree. I'm not convinced that Matt, Stafford is going to entirely change the Los Angeles Rams. And the funny thing about Seattle is here we are with Russell Wilson unhappy. And if you just said, based on the vibe from Seattle, you would have guessed they went eight and eight last year. They went 12 and four last yeah. year. I mean, that's yeah. the, f- someone asked me if, um, it would be worth it for the bears to trade everything for Russell Wilson. And I'm like, their team isn't even good. And they went 12 and four. Yes, it would be. Um, but how it goes and whether that relationship can stay repaired your guess is as good as mine so I love the division from that standpoint
1: yeah isn't it crazy that it's usually the quarterback that calls the shots Pete Carroll's like hell no man I'm the anchor here baby if you want out well like he's gonna that's gonna be the conversation even if you just sign an extension people get fired after signing extensions all the time death taxes Seattle Seahawks winning over 10 games <laughs> every year doesn't matter Yep. Doesn't matter
0: how, doesn't matter what the roster looks like. Yep, that's right. Are you guys uh, simulating the draft yet? There and figuring out who the Cardinals are going to take? You know,
1: <laughs> pretty much every pundit across the landscape of mock draft has the Cardinals taking JC Horn at sixteen. I, I, I joke with my co-host like, that's it. I mean, he's like, if I have to hear JC Horn one more flipping time. But yeah, that's and it's fine. I mean, at this point, it's going to be warranted. I, I think that they should be uh, looking more at Elijah very Tucker from uh UCL or from a uh, USC um, maybe a guy that you guys would be looking at as well because mm-hmm. yep, yep. um dra- for Rodney Hudson and drafting Elijah very Tucker would put them as one of the best left sides in, in football of the offensive line, but they need cornerbacks really badly. So JC Horn, who the hell knows? There's so many, I, I are the Vikings looking for corners too? I mean, there's so many out there that are going to be a fraction of what they would have cost, you know, three years ago.
0: I don't think that they are, but I think they should be like, if they're relying on their two guys that they drafted last year to both hit, I think that that's pretty questionable, but in previous years, they've kind of not given themselves backup plans at a lot of positions. And so really until they signed Patrick Peterson, we were thinking that corner could be one of those spots for them to pick. But all of a sudden, as I mentioned, no offensive lineman presently on the left side. Mm -hmm. And also they signed Delvin Tomlinson, Where's the pressure coming from? I mean, Daniel Hunter, we think is returning, but after that, you still, you have two nose tackles. And so are you getting pressure from somewhere else? So there's a lot of different ways that the Vikings could go. So all the draft simulations do not have the same position, but we're starting to narrow it down to basically tackle and defensive end. Are you guys so like, the way that the Vikings have looked at it for so long is we could predict exactly who they're going to pick just based on their needs when they get there. Like everyone talks about best player available. I'm not even sure it exists for more than like three or four teams a year. Yeah. I mean,
1: there's 53 players that are on the active roster. So you need everything. You know what I mean? Like it's, you want to make you want to make something a strength. Like it's, Best player available, like, put it – put it. this is a perfect uh, perspective. Last year, the Cardinals needed an offensive lineman, And there were three still on the board at eight. Uh, Jedrick Wills, Tristan Wirfs, who won a Super Bowl, and Makai Becton. And they chose the best player available on the board, Isaiah Simmons. And if you can find the perfect mix of one of the best players available with a position of need, that's where your wheelhouse should be, not just a flash pick of who's next on the big board when, in fact – Nobody knows who the hell the next person on the big board is when it's going to translate. All they are glorified weathermen, Todd Vicshay and Mel Kuyper, who get paid millions of dollars to be right. 15% of the time. <laughs> so you just, you go, you go on your draft board and you stick. And if you have good scouts and draft evaluators, talent evaluators like the Cardinals do not um, you're, you're ahead of the game, but the perfect
0: mix is best player
1: available ish and position of need.
0: It is funny how often teams get um, pegged as geniuses for great drafts. And then the very next year, their draft is garbage. And this is, that has been the recent history of the Vikings as well. Uh, Alex Clancy, your Twitter handle is Clancy's corner. Very nice. And you can check them out in the locked on AZ cards podcast. You will need that at some point when the schedule comes out, we'll know when, but you'll need that to uh, prepare for the Vikings game against Arizona. We're there, right? So does that mean I get to go there and play golf in Arizona? Oh, yeah, baby. Oh, please make it December. Please, oh, yeah.
1: Please yeah, make I don't December. know. I have no. All I care about one time, they're playing the Cowboys this year. All I care about is that it's on Thanksgiving. Give me a damn Thanksgiving game. That's all I want. Well, yeah, I, the Vikings, oh, man, it's going to be fun to watch that roster here for sure.
0: What makes those great, because I've had a couple of them in recent years the, against Detroit, at the Thanksgiving games, mm-hmm. is that on Sunday, you do nothing and yeah, just watch all those games. You're all set. You've already given all the takes you can give and written the articles and whatever else done the podcast. And then you just hang back and eat the leftovers and watch football. So sure. uh, really appreciate you coming on, man. Really enjoyed this conversation. And uh, while well, I can guarantee when the Vikings play the Cardinals, we'll do it again. I'll I'll talk to you then. Absolutely. Thanks for having me.